0: Would you turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And we're just preaching through the book of Corinthians, taking some topics here, and just hearing what God is saying to us. The difficulty with preaching through a book is that there are some subject matters that we normally try and shy away from. And we don't like to preach on them. The good thing about preaching through a book like this is that you can't avoid them. And, um, and that's a good thing. And so normally as people, as congregations, we've got our favorite sections to preach from. And uh, when we do it this way, uh, you need to ask the question when we avoid certain subject matters, Piet, why are you guys avoiding them? And then I would need to come up with a good answer. Which I may not have. But ask those questions. Those questions are good to be asked. Um, This morning, I want us to read from verse 10, please, of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We looked at some of the verses in the previous verses and had a look at at them, talked the previous time what's so amazing. About grace. And this morning, you know, I just want to talk about walking together side by side. And I was tempted to show and play the Irish anthem last night. But I thought it wouldn't be a good thing. Because as the Irish anthem was being sung, I sat there. And when they started to sing the words shoulder to shoulder. I kind of loved that. But I knew that as a fellow Scot, it probably wouldn't be the best thing to do. But I just absolutely, and sorry to all of the people from Scotland, and also I'm a Scot by name, Wallace. You don't get more Scottish than Wallace. But I was moved, I think, by the way, yeah, you say, Peter, you're backtracking now quite a bit. But I think the Scottish anthem is one of the most beautiful anthems. Would you agree with me? Oh, come on, that is so weak. <laughs> well, I don't need your approval on that one. I think, I think that, and I'm going to be shot down maybe because there's not enough Americans here today. I love the American anthem. I guess good. For, oh, oh, okay, there's enough there here too. You see, so, so for me, the Scottish anthem, the American anthem, and of course the South African one. Yeah, <laughs> You know, but I'm creating factions already within the church, and this is exactly what I'm talking about this morning, but I love the part where they started singing, and I love the Scots, I love the Irish, when they sing the anthems, man, you know, it is like they're already in the battle. They sing it with such passion, with such conviction, and my theory is if you're going to do something, do it with conviction. Um. And they sing it with such conviction. And, um, but I must say, I, I love the part in the Irish anthem where they sing, you know, where they say, standing shoulder to shoulder. And you know, my friends, in battle, we need to walk together side by side, but shoulder to shoulder. And my friends, the church at Corinth, was a church that received in abundance the wonderful grace of God. And God's grace positioned them in Jesus Christ. That was their foundation. And out of that, they started to serve Him and one another and others. And out of that, with the unique giftings that God had given to them, they worshiped God, one another and others. And yet we see as we read through the book of Corinthians, we see that certain things started to take place within the church that was unhealthy. And my friends, we all know that we start out having been forgiven by Jesus. And God's grace fills our lives. And there is such a sense of identity as fellow believers in Christ. And we start to walk with Him. And when we start to take those things lightly or for granted, we see that other weeds creep into this beautiful garden that God has established within our lives. And it starts to attack the roots of the beautiful things within our lives. And we see that this is the picture that we see within the book of Corinthians. And so the Holy Spirit, through Paul, (coughs) is addressing so many of these little things that's come in that is seeking to destroy this beautiful garden um, with the arrays of, (coughs) oh excuse me, of color and just of such beauty. And one of these things that started to attack the church, which would minimize the effect that they would have on the city of Corinth And even further than that that is is just some factions that are taking place within the church. Some disagreements and uh, some misunderstandings. And we see here that Paul comes in and he deals with this directly, head on. His encouragement to them is to walk together. Side by side. And to serve together shoulder to shoulder. (laughs) And when the enemy sees such a unity, he will always come in certain ways to try and disturb it and to disrupt it. One of the things that I am most proud of in this church over the 10 years that we've been here is that... um, this church has, has moved forward unitedly. It's been one of the beautiful pictures within a church like this. And when a church moves forward unitedly, there are few things that bring more glory to God than that. Agreed? And out of COVID, or in the midst of COVID, at the beginning of COVID, there were all kinds of factions. Also within our church. But the one thing that I'm most proud, I spoke to a pastor about it last week is that when we came together here, we came together, and that the banner that Jesus reigns, not our opinions, not our thoughts, and our church, by and large, was saved from so many problems that we could have had, and that other churches had. And so I look back and I say, Lord, thank you for the incredible people that you've given to us. But my friends, Unity is something that we need to preserve at all costs. We cannot take it for granted. Just when you sit back and you admire how beautiful we are, the enemy comes and he sows seeds of discontent. And he places upon the hearts of people certain things that they feel is better. If we did it that way or um, because my church background is like this. This is how we should do it. And um, we see that very quickly, things just start to move a little bit. And that is exactly what happened in the book of Corinthians. So let's listen to what God's Word says, um, what the Holy Spirit speaks to the church at Corinthia when We read from verse 10. And this is what verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you say, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, two guys in. Actually, So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anybody else. For Christ did not come, or for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel with words of eloquence, sorry, not with words of wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is fullness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. How awesome is that? And so we see here that Paul brings the church back to its original mission. That's what the church was planted for in the beginning, was to be a gospel-centered church, to proclaim the message of Christ. But the moment when we become so inwardly focused, that's when we start to highlight our preferences. This is what I want. This is what I want done. This is how I would want it done within the church. And Paul is saying to the church, he says, my friends, when we start to put the emphasis upon ourselves And not upon the cross of the Lord Jesus, we empty the power of the cross here, actually. And its effect, not only within our lives, but also in the lives of the people that we're serving within the city and also within the nation. And so Paul is bringing the church back to its central theme, which is not only to preach, but to live out the gospel within their personal lives. And so he speaks very, very strongly in this area to them. He says there are quarrels in the church, which Paul knows about because of Chloe's household came to Paul and said, hey, this is what's happening there. That person is talking about that one. This person is saying, well, Cephas is a better preacher than you. Oh, and Paul is not as good as Apollos. And apparently, when you read the history here, Apollos was an oratory of note. Man, he could sing like a canary when he preached. Paul was not that. Paul was not a great orator. a very smart man, but he was not Apollos. And so when Paul came in, people said, I'd rather want Cephas, or um, that is Peter, or I'd rather want Apollos. And Paul says, what is Paul? What is Cephas? Cephas, what is Apollos? It is Jesus in our church that matters. Isn't that good? It sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? But it's actually not. That is the wisdom of the cross. The wisdom of man, he says, well, let's get that person, let's get that person, let's get this person to bring You know, that's the wisdom of the world. And this was exactly the problem within this passage of Scripture. The Holy Spirit comes and he brings adjustment. The beautiful thing about Lift Church is that we have people from Roman Catholicism all the way into. Um, uh, 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 the charismatic groups where we're a church where everybody comes together we have people who are not yet believers and we love having you you haven't yet found Jesus we just love having you as a matter of fact you add something to our church that is so exciting because you fill us with faith because we can't wait just to see what Jesus would do within your life you, you're so important to us Because you raise our vision so much higher. We are truly, I think, in many respects, quite unique as a church. But not only that, we've got probably from 35 to 38 nationalities here the last time we did a count. And so, you know, uh, we need Jesus in this church. And that's no overstatement at all. Jesus is the one. Who glues us together? Paul is saying to them there's factions in the community, each identifying with a different leader. And God gives us leaders, they are gifts to the church. Paul was a Gift to the church. He addresses this issue in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 again. And he, 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 you know, the church really came after him. And the church, yet he's quite sarcastic with them in 2 Corinthians 10. And he says to them, you know, uh, some of you are saying that in appearance, I'm actually not that good looking. As a matter of fact, Paul was short and he was bald, similar to me. And Paul says, you know, some of you say that I overstate my authority. He says, you know, you don't like my preaching. He says, that's okay. Go and read 2 Corinthians 10. And so he mentions a number of, th- and he says, you know, you say that I-, I overstate my authority with you. But he says, it's what God gave me. So, man, he took a hammering within the church of Corinth because he came out. And he says that I will preach Christ crucified. This is my message. And he says, that's where we will stay. Because he knew that within the church at Corinth, they were very similar to ours. The glue that keeps us together is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he stands upon that truth. In the church at Corinth, what was meant to be sweet fellowship amongst brothers and sisters turns into bitter mistrust and it started to affect others negatively. Why do we divide? Very simply, we divide. Because of pride. (laughs) That's why we divide. My friends, this is not just a message for us as a church. It's a teaching for the conflict that exists on every level. Husband and wives, the reason why marriages fall apart is because of the one evil that is so prevalent within our lives, and it is pride. Pride Always divides. The root of factionalism is always self importance and a sense of arrogance. It happens in marriages. How do we stay connected to one another within a church like this, within our marriages, within our relationships? with our friends, with our relationships, with our children. How do we stay together? My friends, it is humility. There's only one way, it is humility, and we need Jesus within our lives to be truly humble when we hold our opinions as being the most important thing. Pride divides. Humility brings unity. How does this humility work? I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. How is a marriage restored? I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. How does a relationship between two mates who have fallen out? How is it restored? We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. We look at the wall at the moment between Israel and Hamas. It's because of pride that there is such a fallout. And it's been a historic event, and we're praying into that on Tuesday night. Come to the prayer meeting, and we're praying into this specific area. We're praying for Israel. We're praying for the um, surrounding nations. Why does conflict exist like this? Paul says in the book of James, it's because of selfishness. It's because of power. That is why these factions exist. What's the solution on every single level? Well, firstly, my friends, how do we unite? We unite by coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's how we unite. I say to couples within our church who want to divorce each other, I say to them, I'm fighting for your marriage. I said, I'll fight for your marriage. In this church, we'll fight for your marriage. And they say, well, sorry, it's too full of too far gone. I say nothing. No marriage is ever too, too far gone for Christ to step in and to mend it. We have seen God do miracles within our church. Within the churches that we've led. I have seen God restore marriages that was impossible to be restored within man's eyes. Why? Because we appealed for these people to place their marriage under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He says, I appeal to you, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, the only name ultimately that we can bow under fully and freely is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I appeal to you under this authority. And oftentimes Paul would say, it is this authority that God has given to me. The name of Jesus I appeal to you to bow your knee to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear that Jesus was given a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that He is Lord. My friends, every relationship, every marriage, every faction within a given church can be mended when we come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to appeal to you. If you are struggling in a relationship, my friends, step under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he speaks, why don't you just do it? I can give you countless stories where I have seen this Happen and where Christ moved in such a way that the miracle happens. My friends, you're right. Probably your marriage needs a miracle. But if you step under the authority of Jesus, He's able to provide that miracle for you. He'll change your heart, He'll change your mind. But it's a miracle. My friends, people come and we sit down and we talk about their marriages. And the first thing that I do when people come and sit down with me, you know when you come to my office, I'll put my Bible on the table in front of me there. And people ask for advice. They ask for uh, perspectives. And I'll take the Bible and I'll open the Bible and we'll start reading from the Bible. Why? Because that's the authority That we operate under. You can go to psychiatrists. You can go to doctors. They've got another book. That they put in front of you. And they talk about. But my friends. None. Is more powerful. Than sitting. Than sitting. Under the authority. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means different things. Things to different people, and so I implore you today to come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. His burden is light to carry, and His yoke is easy. Someone else's yoke, someone else's burden is heavy, but Jesus said, come to me, and my yoke you can carry so allow him to come and place yourself under his authority, I know that some of you are probably saying, but that sounds so easy my friends, have you tried it? (laughs) have you tried it? I've tried all kinds of the self-helps which are provided by so many And they take you to a point where you actually still need to come under the authority of Jesus to break that yoke within our lives. There are years of hurt, bitterness that comes up within our hearts, strongholds within the mind that cannot be broken unless we come under the authority of Jesus. Another word that I love is just you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Every marriage can be saved when that happens. Yes, it requires both people. I understand that. I understand that. But sometimes it starts with one person to come under the authority. We have some friends where a husband, years ago, who was involved in a terrible affair. And this lady phone, Jenny and I, and we were still living in South Africa, and we went over to their place, we caught a flight, we were there, we spoke to both of them, but the man started staying with this woman that was his secretary, and um, this lady, both of them Christians, this lady said to us, very good friends of ours, and she said, God spoke to me and said that whatever he does, I need to act in the opposite spirit. She says, I'm bringing my life, and I'm putting words in her mouth, under the authority of Christ. And it took something like a year and a half, and she just waited and waited and prayed. She stuck in there. And my friends, today, their marriage has been saved. My friends, one person needs to bring their lives under the authority of Christ. And sometimes we see a breakthrough. I wish it happened every time. I wish that the spouse would turn. But it doesn't happen always that way. But my friends, bring your life under the authority of Jesus. How how does that start? Your feelings, what you feel. Bring it under the authority of Christ. Because what we feel is not always true. Because as Christians, we do live by faith. And not only by sight. Bring your feelings under the authority of Christ. My friends, the things you say to your friends about your spouse, bring those words under the authority of Christ because what you say, eventually you become. Bring your words under the authority of Christ. If you're given to retaliation and reaction, bring that under the authority of Christ. And say, Lord... My reactions, I repent for them. I'm sorry about what I've done. I bring it. It doesn't matter what your spouse is doing, my friends. It matters what you are bring your life under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him restore order within you. What I've seen over so many years of our relationship with Jen, mine, and our marriage, what I've seen within marriages of other people, what I've seen within churches is suddenly when we bow the knee and when we just say, Lord, I submit to you, not to my culture. Here, we see that there are different cultures that's been brought together together. We have a Swiss person who's married an American within our church. We have in our church an Afrikaans person like me who married an English person like Jeannie. Our cultures are different. And the older you get, you see that it's even more apparent. Believe me, it happens. We've got a British person here married to a South African. Lord, have mercy. But of course, Jen and I know what that is like, and it makes the most beautiful combination. It really does. I, I love those combinations. But my friends, we need extra grace when the cultures come together. Amen? We do. We, we bring our lives under the authority of Jesus Christ as it is possible. When we think we're Lord over our marriages, that's where it starts to fall apart. When we think that we are Lord over this church, my friends it will start to fall apart. And it's not being super spiritual. This is Jesus' church. And we love His church. We bring our lives under His authority. Have I labored that point long enough? Good. Good. And then the second thing that needs to happen How do we unite? By filtering your lifestyle habits through the lens of the gospel. That's how we unite. My friends, within our church, we have many different nationalities. One of the most beautiful pictures that I like to see is after when we have coffee together. That we have different nationalities who are having coffee together. Amen? Oh. One of the most disturbing things is, for me, when I only find people grouping together with the same people. Every Sunday after church. It's not who we are. That's not the ethos of our church. Paul is talking about that in the passage of Scripture here. He's talking about factions. Getting together with your people. My friends, when we come together here, there is no Jew, there is no Greek. There is no male, there is no female. We're brothers and sisters. We're family of God together. And I love just to see different nationalities, asking each other over for dinner. One of the things that have enriched Jenny and I to to such a great extent is when we have dinner with people, and they're from other countries, and they tell us their story. And as they tell us their story, their story almost becomes our story. We're so enriched, and we start to see them through the lens of the gospel, when we see each other through the lens of the gospel, it doesn't matter where you come from. We find that commonality in Christ Jesus and we are enriched. This, what we did this morning, is a practical example of what should be happening here. In our homes and also out there. I want to appeal to you today. Let's make sure that we build into our diversity a church that is united together. Make time for people who are different from you. I had the opportunity, and I hope that they don't mind, but but a certain couple in the church phoned me, and uh, they know that Jeannie's in South Africa, so... Whenever Jenny is away, this lady will call me and she says, I've made, well, the husband will call me and say, I've made food for you. Come and get it. And so I would normally go over to the place and they provide food for the next three days, four days. <laughs> and they're from another country and we just sit down and we talk and we pray together and it's sweet fellowship. That couple has so enriched us, not just by the food that they give us but they have broadened my heart. My friends, this is Lift Church. And do you know what? Zug needs it, Switzerland needs it, and the nations need it. But they need an expression of Jesus. Is Jesus Christ divided? No. Together with all of us, he unites. And he brings wonderful fellowship, wonderful interaction. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. As a church, when we are struggling with our differences, and we do have them, when our husbands hurt us, and we just want to flee, of course, our wives never hurt us, men. <laughs> or when our wives do hurt us, and we just, just close up with them. Or when someone in the church speaks about us and they spread a rumor about us, whether it's true or not, I want you to come and just say to God, I'm filtering what happened to me right there through the lens of the gospel. And when we do that, the power of God fills our hearts to forgive. You cannot forgive by yourself. You need to come under the authority of Jesus, and the power of the gospel Need to enable you to forgive. Whether it's on this level, or whether it's on a personal level, or whether it's in the workplace. My friends, we need the power of the gospel to forgive. And we trust in God for this, in Jesus' name.